0: Thanks for joining another Naffy Break podcast. I'm your host, Dominic O'Sullivan, as always. And we look at the transition from the military into a successful second career. Now, that's taken us on a number of different pathways from the lived experience of our veteran community to those who are connected either by marriage or by friendship, uh, but also employers and those supporting the uh, the transition as well. Um, today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Hill. Um, who is a 32-year army veteran, left the rank of sergeant major, uh, and has what I would say gone on to be successful since he left. So, first of all, Mark, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you. Um, Mark, listen. There's there's quite there's a lot to unpack there. Thirty two years in the army. That's a lot of standing in wet fields and uh, hurry up and wait uh, along the way. But um, let, let's actually kind of start where we are now because we've we've crossed paths on a on a kind of professional basis through work as well. And obviously over a period of time, I've watched your career from leaving and and what you've done since. But um, the thing that caught my eye, and we met at Catrick a, a couple of weeks back. You've just launched a magazine, an online magazine called Reshape. Um, first of all, tell us how that came about.
1: So Reshaping Your Resettlement, um, the magazine itself is there to support what we already deliver in the garrison through um, every Monday morning. We've got a, a veterans IHUB, I for Information. So we meet on a Monday morning, 9.30 till 1230 We've been very lucky to use the building, one of the Defence Estates buildings, on this side of the fence, if you like. Um, and it, it's fantastic. We, we don't pay any rent, as as the other organisations that, that use that during the week. So it's a great building to have and to support the veterans within the community. And it's based around three bullet points. One is health and well-being, education and employment. Uh, But equally, it's to get people um, out of the house. We do a lot of day trips. We've been very lucky to have now we've got a community minibus. We're governed by Shape UK, which is a Bradford-based charity that wants to do some stuff in in, uh, the garrison. So we're under their kind of um, governance, if you like, which is fantastic. It allows us to get out there and uh, do what we do best in supporting our veterans.
0: Now, a lot of people will have seen, you know, veteran clubs and hubs, the Armed Forces Breakfast Clubs. They've seen all this stuff in the news and around the country. And you've rattled through a few things there that you, you're doing and what you're doing, your minibus. These things don't happen overnight. I know that for a fact. You know, there's a lot of perspiration and, uh, and work gone in to make those things happen. You know, one of the things that stands out there is 32 years in uniform. There are some people at that point would go. I want nothing more to do with anything green, and I'm going to go and do something completely different. But you're still involved with the kind of people that you were for a long time. What what kind of ties you to that? Why why are you still doing this with those people who are, you know, trying to find their feet when they leave? What's the driver for you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Is that? Uh, I think for me personally, it's a sense uh, a sense of duty a sense of service to, to supporting others throughout my army career so breaking down the 32 years in service i did the what's known as a 22 year cover service leaving as a as a war officer sergeant major which was great uh, i did a few jobs in civil street if you like and then uh, i re enlisted again uh, on a full time reserve service ftrs contract uh, keeping the rank as sergeant major those in the ftrs will know that you don't get promoted you keep the rank that you left at. Um so it was almost having that that duty of care and a sense of of service to to supporting others, though that those that need help. Now I also deliver a workshop within the garrison, which is building up towards the Reshape magazine. Uh, so every Wednesday afternoon I go back behind the wire and deliver uh my lived experience to those leaving to inspire them. Of course when people leave Catrick, go to what I call four corners of of the UK and sometimes wider across the world. And for me to get that information out. So I deliver something called the digital dashboard. And um, it's a a cloud-based dashboard, if you like. Uh, One of the tiles that you can press is the job offer. So I say to young people, when you leave and go back home, uh, I'm not saying everybody needs support or need help when they leave the military. But those that do, where do you find it? The information's out there in the cloud. So so what I've done is, you know, uh, I've pulled it all together. And I'm a massive believer in you don't know what you don't know. So i pulled all these things yeah. together. <clears throat> it's almost geared around the Armed Forces Covenant, those, you know, n- not to disadvantage those leaving, those who have left, including the reserves and families. And so I pulled this together to help people. So the, the exam question is, you know, I now want to grow. How do I get that information out to more people, you um, because on a Monday morning, if you're working, you're not coming to my Veterans Information Hub because you're working. Um, you may have other things on. So the idea was to have a community-based armed forces resettlement magazine for Katy Garrison to launch it in collaboration with the Early Service Leavers Briefs I do and the Veterans Information Hub. It's digital, and, and those who have been in service will, will get this one we're going to say is, you know, it was always drilled into us that at arm's distance, was always your rifle, your, your, you know, your, your weapon. Um, yeah. In society, whether you've served or not, it, at arm's distance is the mobile phone. So I was very, in, you know, inspired to go digital from the from the word go. However, that said, there's a local businessman, um, a veteran, veteran's own business. He, he did say to me, Mark, but you need a, a physical magazine for your first one. So uh, me being a um, frugal, a, a tight Yorkshireman, I like to do things, you know, enterprise entrepreneurial ways uh he, he said well tell you what i'll pay for the first 500 copies so that's very very kind of him and that's how re- that's how reshape then came about
0: well i mean it's a whole load of things in there i could i could kind of pick up on but the, the, the frugal yorkshireman's obviously the one that most people are straight away gonna gonna jump on but no and I, and I like the fact you know we we met up at the um the the jobs fair up there at catrick a couple of weeks ago and, and you were launching that and obviously a lot of there's a lot of resource put into that, as you say. You know, you've almost condensed it all because, you know, I've I've worked with veterans and service leavers for a couple of years now, and not everyone is industrious and motivated to go out and find the information for themselves. So, you're know, obviously bringing it all into one place is going to fast track and uh, and help them along the way. There's there's a couple of other things in there. I think you know that that sense of duty, as you've said, you know, that sense of duty to keep. You know helping and to help the next oppo coming up and and the ones that are about to leave. but if you go back through your own personal career, something you also mentioned was about lived experience and i and I kind of wonder how you how you view that lived experience because when we're in, I'm not sure we appreciate that that is real value the things we've acquired over time when you come out people keep saying your lived experience is valuable telling those stories telling that journey that you've been on how do you kind of view the I suppose the acquisition of that experience through your army career that's helping you now I mean what what are the biggest things you took from your army career and I know it's a long one but what are the things that have stuck with you to today
1: yeah there's a few so you know building up to 22 year color service there's I'll speak about that in a moment but When I went back into the military on a full-time reserve service contract, that lived experience for me looking back. I was four brigades, community youth engagement officer, so that got me. I was public facing on the other side of the fence. I was in job centre pluses. I was in schools delivering what we call in the military command tasks, uh, STEM activities or science technology, engineering maths, um, workshops, if you like, assembly talks. Working with the Army Cadet Force, so working across society, including businesses within the four brigades area, which covered Yorkshire and the North East. It was those kind of lived experiences that I had the 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 um, the know-how and the the protocols of how things worked. Of course, leaving the military after 22-year colour service, I wouldn't have had those experiences um, because I was in inside uh, working within within a unit. So there's those lived experiences. But looking back at my full time career, my regular career, if you like, those lived experiences of of deploying on operations. And and you know, when I look at when I went to Bosnia, for example, languages have been very key to me. So although I didn't do very well in school and I certainly didn't learn any language in school, what what I did, what the military taught me was, was learning, was was education. And and when I deployed to Bosnia back in what 1994 it was very very obvious to me being on patrol as a young private soldier lance corporal that i needed to learn the local language to be able to communicate so i called it uh you know pigeon language or patrol language vcp vehicle checkpoint language and i was able to say hello to people and um, you, know, uh, you know you know hello i'm a british soldier but then when i went when i deployed into iraq um when we lived in germany in osdebrook i did go to the army education center to sit the exam if you like or the the you know, the um the the, the test to, to see if i was um i had the aptitude to go back to school for six months and and then of course i i failed that i mean, i didn't meet i didn't meet the threshold so being determined i went back home i was a sergeant at the time i always remember work you know pre-deployment going up to deploying to iraq on on 5 i i i self-taught myself arabic um to the point where i became you know very very good now it, it's worth mentioning that those that went back to school to learn arabic for six months was the int officer and the Inc. sergeant and on deploying to basra those guys stayed in camp when i was a uh, uh Rekhi, two to IC. I had my own multiple. We went on the ground. Uh so every day I was at um, Arabic to speaking Arabic every day to locals and I could I could learn to speak Arabic. And that really made a big difference to my tour, um, those six months in, in Basra.
0: I mean there's a couple of things in there. One is a is a, a kind of stubborn determination to go I don't care if you said I failed, I'm still going to do this. That's the first thing. You're now actually out operational on the ground talking to locals. You're not stuck back in inside the wire in a safe space, making your, your language mistakes, if anything. But, but I suppose there's a couple of things there that, that just say, okay, what what's that army career taught you? Well, if you work hard enough, you will still get there. That, yes. that seems to stand out straight away. I mean, if you if you think of the work that you did after you left, or when, with four brigades, as you said, you know, you're outside the Y, you're in careers offices, you're out in schools. How much, how how tough was that to adapt to? You know, you come from inside the Y, you're dealing with, with soldiers, with squaddies, and then you're in a school and then you're in a different environment. How how did you cope with that adaptation?
1: Yeah, so when I actually left after 22 year colour service, uh, part of my resettlement, I did the IOSH. Um managing safely, and nebosh uh, general certificate, uh, passive distinction. um if fact if I go go back to when I first joined the army, and I know um Gareth, uh, job Op and we we served in the same battalion, the, the Duke of Wellington's, and so it, it'll get where I'm coming from. I joined um, the rifle company, Corona company. And as a young soldier, you know we, yes, you have your mates and your friends within the company. By God, you were you were very very competitive, and I was up against some very very you know professional soldiers, and so working off each other, becoming you know your best, and and throughout my army career, um, being pitched against some really good soldiers within the Dukes, later became the Yorkshire Regiment, um, or the Royal Yorkshire Regiment as it is now, it it, it taught me well, um, where I didn't have that in school, so joining the military, and I think the the armed forces, whether it's the RAF, the Navy, the, the Army, it it, it it kind of, um, you know, develops its people. And I, I massively believe, yes, a lot of people leave the military and uh, may go and get a job. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, service leavers from across tri-service that are very entrepreneurial, very enterprising um, and, and driven to run their own business. And I think the military, for me, has done that for me.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, when we talk then about going into schools you're almost i'm almost saying you're improving the pipeline if you're going into schools and helping them and and almost imparting some of that methodology if you like from the way military develops people did you see an outcome of that where people in school the children in school were then keen on joining up as a result of that
1: yeah so so my job as the youth engagement officer it wasn't really to be uh, engaging in recruiting, however, it was kind of you know loosely, it, I suppose it was, it was almost known as engagement rather than recruiting. But to me, you know, it, 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 it's a play on words. Um, but yeah, so when I left the military after 22 years, I actually worked in the school, um, becoming looking after the CCF, combined cadet force, as the school staff instructor. That was very good, I loved it. It was in the Yorkshire Dales, um. You know, it was a dream. It was kind of the dream job after leaving the military. But then uh, another job came up and I we moved as a family unit to D- to uh, Dubai. Um, I was working in schools in, in uh, Abu Dhabi and in Al one of the other Emirates, teaching a bit like CCF, um, but for the Emirati kids in schools. Um, but that contract came to an end. And then I. I came back to the UK. As you know, I joined the army again, um, uh, originally in in 15 Brigade in York Um, and then working in schools. I kind of had that kind of um, that knowledge of working in schools. But equally, when you look at the military and I was in the infantry um, and I suppose every other corps and cap badges is, is, is equally the same. I suppose from my, from the rank of Lance Corporal, Corporal, particular sergeant, I I was geared towards being an instructor, teaching, delivering and and training the next generation, if you like, of of young soldiers. So when you say young soldiers in the infantry, you're talking 18 to 24-year-olds, you know, a a bit older sometimes, but 18, 24, you know, you're classed as a young person. And so that kind of development of young soldiers it made sense well if you can do that in the military then you can do that outside sometimes you're working in schools inspiring and motivating young people to be to be their best but what happened was i i connected with uh, early on I, i i learned to connect with local charities to to help them deliver what they were doing so i became whilst i was still serving um in the northeast. there's a charity called the Pi Project, which is the primary inspiration for enterprise, and actually I, I became um, one of the—if you volunteer in one day, you know—as a, as a pioneer. And what happened was, uh, the three schools I worked with teaching young people to be enterprise and entrepreneurial um, through through my kind of um, leadership and management of, of of those schools, the my three schools won uh, won the big checks um any profit made they kept so that between three schools we made they made roughly round about sixteen thousand pounds and for so for education wow. to get where they don't have the money but equally the children were walking away with what i call the soft skills they were learning yeah. world of work teamwork problem solving communication resilience collaboration working together with finances and, and you know doing that kind of stuff uh, so that supported them on their journey um you know that there's lots of lots of things going on there i'm actually delivering the same project in risedale school um in the next few weeks
0: i mean what comes through loud and clear is obviously your passion and drive to to develop others but you know you can i can hear in your voice then you get excited about kind of what was achieved on that and that's that's that comes through loud and clear um i suppose one of the things for me, mark is you but you're you're giving everything that you've learned and you're you're trying to impart that or hope that might rub off or develop other people so they can be the best version of themselves. If you look back at your own transition, you know, from the point where, you know, you get to that close to that twenty-two year point, you know it's coming. You how far back from that twenty-two year point initially did you actually take some action and some thought into what am I going to do next what is going to be Mark Hill 2.0 when I take the uniform off and I'm no longer a sergeant major you know how did how did you address your own transition
1: yeah I think um well you know serving in the regular if you like (coughs) uh, and 22 year colour service I don't think I had those ideas or thoughts because uh, I was in a regiment. You're kind of, um, you know, working there. Yes, you have postings. Um, you go as an instructor, you come back to your unit. Uh, I do remember in Germany coming back from Optelic 5, um, uh, I was deployed as a sergeant, a recce platoon recce to, to IC. But coming back, I was promoted to colour sergeant. And I always remember the adjutant calling me to his office Um of course, you know my my nickname. Everyone has a nickname. My nickname in the army was Benny, uh, Benny Hill. Yeah. Uh, I went to see the adjutant. He called for me. I said, I said, "Sir." He said, "Benny, we um, we're going to send you to Optag, the Operational Training Advisory Group down in in Folkestone, uh, Risba Barracks in, in Kent." And, I, and initially, I, I didn't want to go. Um, but my my vision then was to be uh, a colour sergeant instructor at senior brecon the platoon sergeant's battle course and of course things only happen when they happen so i i deployed um back to the uk i went to uh obtag and bear in mind this time i'd never been i'd never been to afghanistan uh so this is this is the army for you i i turned up at uh Rizbo barracks so met the oc and he said um color you're gonna go to uh, the B team, which is the Op Heric team, the, you know, um, I said, sir, I've, I've just come back from six, seven months in Iraq because uh, be good Arabic. And uh, so no, no, well, the post order, we can't change it now. So I, I spent, you know, giving two years. I worked hard at Optan because I wanted the best for those who were uh, deploying on their operations. So I actually visited theatre Afghanistan twice Um but collectively it was about sixteen days, um so you didn't get the medal, um, which which is fine. <laughs> but from that two years, what I remember what maybe not at the time, but now looking back, and I never got the guy's name and uh, down in and most people who have been to to lid uh, to lid village, um, uh, I was delivering I was delivering this session uh, were, um, uh, lesson of the four cs. Um, and at the end of it, this um, this lad, uh, a staff sergeant from the Royal Signals, he called me, he said, um, can I have a word with you? And I thought, well, we well, are done now. <laughs> and he and he said, um, we, we came through your, I mean, obviously I didn't remember him because there was that many people coming through Optag. Uh, he said, I came through your lesson last year with my team. And when we deployed to Afghanistan, the skills and drills well, you know the SOPs, what they call them now, TTPs, tactics, Te- techniques, and procedures. What you taught us saved our life, and I thought oh, that's very good, you know. And, but at the time, I didn't really, you know, so I was busy teaching. And uh, but looking back on that, it, it's that, that 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 stick that stuck with me as that. Um, and and for the life of me, I can never remember the guy's name. But 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 through training, education in the military, taking that into civilian street, and uh, of course where we jump into today, where um kind of supporting veterans in the community um and, and as i mentioned the three bullet points earlier where it's health and wealth health and well-being um education and and and, and um employment but it's the education piece that i've now connected the veterans we've set up a, a veterans historical archive but we've taken that to the next level we've taken stuff into schools that's where i'm you know i'm geared towards education and learning so Two or three of the schools in the garrison were supporting supporting them through their curriculum with, with the history and heritage what the t- what the school children learn in schools and all we've done is we've we've um, invited schools out on field trips around the garrison connecting with defence and uh, and supporting them young people um, but the, we've also looked at producing a book for children with two with two outcomes one is for the children to learn local history and heritage but number two and i think it's important is is to inspire young people children to read
0: yeah two two fantastic kind of uh outcomes for, for that definitely uh mark this, this is something that that strikes me and and i don't know whether you recognize this as well maybe from your own experience now when you when you look back we get a lot of people who leave the service and they Kind of take for granted the lessons they've learned and the the stuff they know. We talk we talk about lived experience, but I forever talk into service leavers. And when you ask them to to explain what they've done and you know the, the skills and the attributes and the attitudes that they bring out of the service, they're almost they almost kind of push it down. And they're all, and they, they, their answer is usually, well, everyone does that. And the reality is, no, not everybody does that. When you come out into city street those are the traits that raise you up that you actually stand out because you do things on time. You, you go wherever lengths possible to get the job done. You're reliable, all those, the list could go on. I wonder at what point after leaving were you able to recognize some of the stuff that you do naturally that actually is the high value stuff that employers and people outside would recognize? That you that you're yeah. bringing was there ever was there a moment of kind of like the penny dropped for you to go? Yeah, I have acquired some stuff here over the years, and this is useful now that I'm out. Did Did you recognise that point?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, and I think most people do. Um, but when I when I speak to um, young recruits who are leaving the military in the in the garrison, uh, what you've just said there, I, I echo to them, and and when I say to them, although they're leaving. Uh, as an early service leader. In fact, an early service leave is one day in service up to four years of service. When I say to those recruits leaving training, if you think back way before you joined the military, and some of them it could be six, seven weeks ago, um, did you make your bed in the morning? And, and the, no, the, no, they didn't. And did you prepare your kit equipment in an evening like you do now for your for your lessons? And, of course, they didn't. Did you turn up for your lessons? Of course, because they're getting paid a wage and they joined the army, they, they're doing their induction, They're six months of training. But um, when you go to a lesson, you know, in, in real terms, it's work because they're working, but they're learning. Uh, do you go to lessons on time? Of course, yes, they do. Did you do that before you joined the army? Probably not. And you can see people shaking their heads. And, therefore, you are right. And, and I've had that experience of the last 10, 12 years of of, of working with lots of businesses and, and um, organisations who are supportive employers, so they might assign the the Armed Forces Covenant, they might be on the, the Defence Employee Recognition Scheme with a bronze, silver, gold award. And, of course, all these all these employers and, 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 and others, all they want is for people to join, to, to go to work on time, work, work as a team, get on with the job and re, and rinse and repeat. And, and those leaving the military have those, what I call, basic skills that employers are looking for.
0: Yeah, and a and conversation I was having with our good friend Gareth the other day. And and I think sometimes that when people are leaving and they're trying to explain, you know, what they're about, what they've acquired, they focus very much on the last role that they had before they leave uniform when actually some of the experience and some of the the traits that they developed started on day one. They had they were reinforced three hundred and sixty five times yeah. times twenty two, but they actually yeah. learned that lesson on day one. And it became part of their DNA. They just, by habit, set their watch. They've packed the kit the night before. They've got, you know, I remember in school days, you know, if you packed your school bag, well, like you do that the night before. You don't do it last com. But I just wonder if when you're talking, talking to service leavers, and you mentioned the early service leavers there, but even people that might have been peers of yours at the time that you now see in your veterans hub and so forth. Is whether people are really fully aware of just how much growth they've gone through during service, and can actually explain this is the kind of stuff that I do. I, I I just wonder whether that's still a difficult skill for some service leavers to to get their head round.
1: Yeah, I think I think it, it is in in terms of you know, not I'm not saying lots of people leave the military and, and suffer with their. With getting work or mental health, or but but clearly some do, um, and and including I could do as well. You know, further down the line, there's enough to say that I I may not suffer. So it, it's it's having that confidence of of um, knowing what you've done in the military. But those I've come across recently in within the garrison area, uh, a young lad, he he does struggle, and and but but when you explain to him that you know when you join the army, you you did all these things you, you know you got up in the morning you were work worked with your mates you know you, you went out on air cleaning together you did your lessons together you went training together um although when you leave the military you, you almost become that one man or one person band you know that girl or, you know male female leaving the military you're, on, you're kind of on your own but you've got some great great um skills you've learned well whilst being in 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 the forces but equally Again, you don't know what you don't know. There's so much support out there that, that, you know, uh, signposting somebody to a little bit of support can then bring them on and and put them back on track on their life. And and that's what I love about what I'm doing in the community, that if somebody's struggling and and, it, and it, if it means they're struggling with the mental health, um, I know the protocols. And instead of saying to somebody, "Right, well, there's this thing called the NHS Up Up Courage, um, go and go and sort it out." Uh, there's the link. I go above and beyond that, and then what I'll do is I'll I'll be prepared to get past from pillar to post, um, and some and a lot of time I do because you know even though it's not easy. <clears throat> um, but what I will say on that, why you know, why do I get passed from Pillar to Post? Because um, there's, a, there's a big education thing here, and I'm, one of this is one of the things I'm working on, is that when when an organisation signs the Armed Forces Covenant, it'll be the CEO. The managing director, the local authorities, it's the council, the the, the leader of the council, the public-facing people in those organisations. A lot of the time, that information doesn't cascade down. So, if you can imagine a, a veteran who is suffering with a mental ill and falling at the first hurdle because they got told we don't do it, or you have to go from you know press option one, or you get run through to the wrong department. So, so I I've I've um, ex- I've ex- you know ex- um, experienced that um, going through um that system from pass from pillar to to get to the right department to support the veteran. Uh, and it's happened a few times where I've been told that no we don't do that. But actually you do because you shout on your website, you, you yeah. know, you're a gold award, you you've signed a covenant, uh, but it's an education piece inside. So I'm looking at you know marrying all that together to in in, in um, to prepare um, you know, to get the, the best for our veterans that need that support. Because God forbid, if if I do, if they were just left on their own, some people, you know, what you don't want is somebody to do something, you know, silly sort of thing. And yeah.
0: that's
1: what we are Abs- supporting the community.
0: Absolutely. I want to pick up on something else because you're you still working in an environment where, in a way you can still talk the language right you can still talk military language because those people that's what they've just left behind and and it, it's kind of current there's a currency in that but one of the things that we often talk about is the translation of things that you did in the military the TLA's have changed from when I was in right so even I can get lost in those but the TLA's between the services are different you know there are some common ones but civvies have a completely different language you went away and taught yourself arabic and kind of got proficient and all those sorts of things how, how much of a how much of you have you had to adapt or understand the language of city street if you like since you left and and why is that such a difficult thing for people that when they leave do you think
1: yeah well, i'm I'm, um, I'm currently on a on a language course a city language course i'm joking <laughs> but um, yeah it's um yeah, you are right. I'm I'm still in that environment where I live in the garrison. I communicate with veterans, and and you know I'm also working with various units uh, on the other side of the wire. But you are right. It's but it's having that you know that sense of pride, you know, of, of where you come from. <clears throat> um, you just got to you know get on with your life and 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 have those adaptations. And yeah, you know we do. Uh, you know, I, I I talk at home and my kids understand some of the language when I say "past the diggers." You know, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, but you're, you're right. It, it's it's just adapting into really, you know, learning your, your new yeah. environment.
0: And we learned the TLAs when we joined, right? So it's not like we yeah. can't relearn and we can't learn a new set. But obviously, a key thing, uh, Mark. I mean, it's it's amazing listening to you when you talk about and there's that sense of giving back. there's that sense of purpose that you've got since you left? to help those probably who are like you when you first joined and to you know to give them that development and growth um where you are now long long time associated not just serving yourself but with those who served and and the armed forces and your your veterans hub and and all those things that are going on i'm going to ask you a, a personal question now which again take time to think about this one but how does mark hill feel about being a veteran in today's society?
1: Yes. Um, well, I, I don't have to think about that because I'm very, very proud um, of, of being a veteran. I'm proud to have served our country. And, you know, again, it's all about the, for me, personally, leaving school with no qualifications at the age of 16, because you could leave education in them days in 1987 as a 16-year-old. Um, no qualification. The army gave me that support. Um, and, The army is CPD, continued professional development. It's learned and it trains its people. You might not think that as a private soldier, but becoming a lance corporal from private, trying to make that distinction, I always remember, you know, and I always think back to the area cleaning. You know, you're a private soldier. You're filling outside three ranks very frankly. as a as a lance corporal. You now in front of the squad. But I was always always remember the corporal. You know, who's be barking the orders, and I'd be off to a flank. Cause I have just left the ranks, and I'm off to a flank. And but he gained he gained that experience. And of course, you know, for me, leadership and management and and training development, the the military gave me that. So once, you know, post post transition as a as a veteran, I'm very proud of that. You know, um leaving the military with two operational commendations and you know the the mbe that i've got is a military mb i've got it in 2015 while i was still serving um so having those those yeah qualifications because all the time in the military through your um uh, command leadership management clm it's called something different now um the the, the army has, has educated me to who i am today and i'm very i'm very very proud of
0: being a veteran yeah, that's wonderful. And and I suppose one final thing now. If you look back at the the young private, Mark Benny Hill, I, I don't know how many days into your army career you got that nickname, but I can imagine from the era it was pretty quick. Um, if you think back to, to day one, before you kind of, you know, knew what the army was all about, what advice would you give yourself? Now, if you if you if you were to rewind rewind the clock and the senior Mark Hill who was now advising the junior Mark Hill, wh- what would you say to yourself?
1: Well, I'll come on to that in a moment. But I would do have a picture of me as a private soldier, like most people, when they're passing out. And of course, you know, uh, and a picture of me as a sergeant major. And and I've I've looked at this picture of me as a seventeen-year-old. Uh, wonky belt, wonky ass, and I'm saying, you know, the sergeant major Mark hill will be will be gripping the private soldier. Mark hill.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, just, so, so biggest biggest learns through your career that you kind of, if someone could have yeah. tipped you off and said, just be ready for this, yeah. what what would that have been?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, joking aside on that, um, the number one thing, if I can inspire anybody who's still in service, is to use your standard learning credits. So over 32 years of of service, I use mine once, and I'll give you an example why I think it's important. As as we know, um, it resets every year, every financial year. Uh, it's 175 pound standard learning credits. <clears throat> this this is the thing. Let's just say, for example, you served 12 years in the military, and you did your standard learning credits, you know, 12 times. So when you leave the military, because when I joined, and most people you don't need a CV when you join the military. But but when you leave the military, you need a CV to get a job. So can you imagine writing your CV to that job advert? And as we know, you've got to write your CV to the you know the job advert, three different job adverts. You're kind of tailoring that CV. But can you imagine now then having to be able to cherry pick from your standard learning credits, um, continuous professional development qualifications you've got over the years? Yeah, I'm not saying you're going to put them all in the CV, but you can cherry pick now and put things in there. Versus not doing any CPD in the military in terms of standard learning credits. So I think if I could inspire and motivate others who are still serving, um, then then to use the standard learning credits. Also, and a lot of people don't know this, who are army reservists. OK, yes, they don't get the LCAS, but army reservists qualify each year uh, for the standard learning credits. So get the standard learning credits used. When you now, look, and it, when you, when and it's there, it's much, almost
0: free, isn't it? It's almost it free it. money, really. You're not yeah. putting your own pocket in. But yeah. I think that's a really good point, because if you were to look at someone's, you know, CV and they go, you know, qualifications, and then there would be almost a catalogue of continuous mm. development. That's a statement in itself to a potential employer, which we realise now. But as you say, when you're in, you probably probably yeah. don't realise Um Mark, it's fascinating. Kind of just getting a little bit more things that I didn't know, but now getting some context as to how uh, Reshape has come about and why, and what's driven you to that point. You know, and I and I tip my hat off to you. You might have served in uniform for thirty-two years, but you're still serving, and that sense of duty come you know comes through loud and clear. So, yeah, you know, I think for anyone who's in that cataric area, um, if you're an Armed Forces veteran or, or you, you're about to leave. You do well to get along to that iHub, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I'm going to give you the last, um, the last comment and last thought on this because I know you've got lots of yeah. them. But um, I'll, I'll let you sign us off.
1: But but also for for me, where I've been successful is is um, joining up with with other people who are who are just as successful, who can bring me on as well. So with reshape, as you know, um, I've I've joined forces with. Um, with mal robinson who's supporting we're supporting each other and that he, he's a good guy he's, he's got uh supporting many others he's with job oppo as well i'm also a job um uh part of the the app and the the, the world of the job oppo it's fantastic so again if you're if you're out there and you've transitioned you know i would i would recommend anybody uh and everybody to to you know, download the job app and and get involved in in that community I, I i i'm involved it's on my phone and it's it's a good thing networking is is number one key to success i think in civil uh
0: mark hill mba 32 years army sergeant major and still continuing to give back and develop uh, today's youth and and service leavers i want to thank you for coming on to the naffy break podcast it's been a privilege to have you on
1: thank you have a nice day